Do you need a miracle from the Lord today? There's a lot of promises in the scripture about miracles, right? If you're looking to the Lord today for a promise, there's a book full of promises. And uh, we have much much to be grateful for, having a a miracle-working, promise-keeping God. And He's working all the time. That's just a great, great promise. It's our privilege this morning to have some friends of mine with me. Our missionary Cecil O'Dell is with us. And uh, I was trying to tell someone how long we've known each other, and it's got to be like 74, somewhere back in the early <laughs> middle 70s, so we've been friends for a, a long, long time. And uh, uh, two missionary couples that are on their way to Osaka, Japan, are going to come and share with us this morning. And uh, before we do that, we're going to look at a video, and I know some of you are thinking right now, don't forget the kids, don't forget the kids, haven't forgot the kids. Um, we're going to dismiss them. I'd I like them to be able to see the video, and so I want to I want to show that video. But before we do that, um, I'd like to pray. We'll pray for the kids and then they can jump up after the video and we'll send them off to their class. Does that work? Yeah. So as we pray this morning, uh, I'm confident that a lot of you are not aware that Jennifer Gonzalez was in a, I don't know what you call it, a slight accident uh, Friday, Saturday. I've lost track of time that helped me out here. But uh, she has uh, broken her knee and has some ligament damage. I think that kind of captures it. Um, If you need more details, you can ask Beth to tell the story because I don't have all the details. But I want to pray for Jen this morning as well as for Carol Ann. I talked to her this week and uh, just not gaining strength as fast as we all hope for, right? And so I want you to continue to, to pray for her and add the Gentiles as well. And I'm sure there's others that are in need of our prayers this morning. So let's just spend a moment and uh, remember these folks and invite God's presence again in our time together. Our Father in Heaven, we again, we just have so much to be grateful for. And I couldn't help but thinking of that as... As we've sung and and worshipped this morning and reminding ourselves that you're a miracle-working God. You're a God who keeps His promises. And so we're grateful for that this morning. We're grateful that we can gather here in this place. We're grateful that we can worship together. And we're grateful that we can support each other in prayer with words of encouragement and hope as well. And so, Lord, especially this morning, I want to again remember Carol Ann and continue to pray for you. The fact that you're continuing to be at work, just as we have sung, you're at at work in her life, you're at work in her body, and we continue to pray for strength and healing. We pray for recovery to be able to be back up and and walking and uh, able to to fully be active. And we just want to continue to commit her to you and ask you to bless her. Bless Michelle as well as she cares for her mom and just give her strength uh, with added tasks and challenges. And we just commit her to you as well with thanksgiving. And we thank you for Jennifer. We thank you for her life of service, her heart for you. And as we pray for her this morning, we pray for healing. We pray for strength, uh, just a quick and soon uh, return to full strength and ability. And uh, just pray that you would give her this morning a special awareness that you are at work in her life in a very special way in the midst of this time, a type of time of being laid aside. And uh, just draw near to her. In a special, special way today is our prayer. And as we send our children off in a few minutes, we want to commit each of them to you. We're thankful for them and pray that you would just bless their time together. Bless those who teach them this morning. Give them great joy 
together as they learn and study your word together. And we ask the same for us here. I thank you for these who have come, uh, missionaries to Japan. Thank you for the joy it is for us to welcome them, to include them, and to pray for them and encourage them as they uh, hopefully very soon uh, leave and uh, go to that needy, needy country of Japan. And so we just want to ask your blessing on all that we share together this morning as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at a video just now. Um, Kyler and Claire uh, Mallory. I just found out how to pronounce your name correctly for the first time in like six months. So it's, it's Ray like a ray of sunshine is what your wife told me, Kyler. Anyway, we're going to look at their video and then kids all dismiss you. And then uh, I've asked Kyler to kind of coordinate uh, what's going to happen after that. So whatever happens after that, I'm not responsible for. Uh, but you can blame me because I organized it and planned it and just excited to have them here. So let's look at the video and then we'll dismiss the kids.
All right, kids, you know what that means, right? The video's over, so you're out of here. <laughs> Eddie, you're up today with the kids, huh? All right. Fun times with Eddie. <laughs> Saying your name reminded me of a memory, but we'll tell, talk about that later. So I sort of kind of mentioned uh, Kyler and Claire, but also we have with us uh, Matt and Mai Higby, and they're going to be sharing as well. Um, Matt and Mai are on their way. Well, Matt's already been to Japan, but got married. Now he's going back with a wife, and so uh, he's going to introduce Mai and, and I mentioned Kyler and Claire. Did I mention Alana? I think I didn't mention Alana, did I? I forget. I, I'm old. Um, anyway, Alana is with them this morning. She's uh, studying up at, what's, is it Eternity Bible College? I get lost. I get all those EBC stuff. And uh, she's hoping to join the team in Osaka, perhaps down the road here in three or four years. So we're kind of uh, overwhelmed with uh, Japanese peoples. And uh, oh, I'm a designer. There you go, uh, California designers. So Kyler, uh, you come, and uh, you're going to direct the show and uh, drive the bus and introduce the rest of the folks. And thanks for coming, guys. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. You know, it's kind of interesting because Kyler and Claire and I have been talking about this Sunday for a long time. And then Matt called me and said, "Hey, we're going to be in Southern California. Is there any chance?" Yeah. So we're all here together. Awesome. Well, good morning. Thank you again for having us, and thanks to Pastor Roy for entrusting me to stand up here and share a message with you all this morning. Um, it's kind of cool to be back here. I haven't met any of you yet, uh, but my, at the time, uh, eight-month pregnant wife and our two-year-old son slept on an air mattress uh, across campus over there in one of the classrooms uh, for a uh, momentum training that we took our high school youth group on and that Tim Lansing got to lead and, and so it's fun to be back it feels feels like home just being back on campus here um, so again thank you for having us and from what I've heard this church this church family has been faithful supporters and partners with missionaries and ministries in Japan for decades maybe centuries at least decades um, so I just want to thank you guys for your faithfulness it's so encouraging to know that, that there's a church out here in Norwalk that has a heart for the lost, and specifically in Japan. Um, and you might be thinking to yourself, don't all churches do that? Don't all churches support uh, missionaries and people in other countries, especially lost countries? And unfortunately, no. Uh, I have a fun little statistic to share with you this morning to give you a little perspective. Annually, Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than the amount that gets sent to lost countries around the world and to missionaries. 3% of all missionaries, only 3%, go to those unreached countries, Japan being one of them, and the second largest at that. Um, and only 1% of all finances that are used for cross-cultural ministry go to those those 3% of missionaries that go to the lost countries around the world. Um, so it's sad. There's a little picture of uh, some cute little animals with some Halloween costumes. But that's not the point. The point is that you guys are, are rare to be a, a faithful church that is supporting missionaries for all these years. Um, so thank you again. I share these statistics just to encourage you all 
that um, you guys are needed, that you guys are playing a huge part in the Great Commission. Um, to give you a little background before we dive into the message this morning, um, again, my name is Kyler. My wife, Claire, is here, and our two kids. Uh, you might saw Brody running around with a donut and sprinkles all over his face. Uh, he's going to be three pretty soon, and our daughter, Kenna, is four years old. Four months. Four months. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> been a long morning. That's right. Four months. Yeah, we're just loving this season of life, loving being parents, and are excited to... Um, Bring them along with us over to Japan. So I became a Christian in high school, was not raised in a Christian home. Um, and it was just through some volleyball coaches that I had in high school who showed me what it meant and what it looked like to be a man of God um, and to, to live a life of faith. And so I kind of wrestled with God through high school. What, what's next? What do I do, right? I'm new at this. Where, how do you want to use me? Where do you want to take me? I ended up at a Christian college. Um, in Northern California, William Jessup University, got my degree in psychology, a minor in Bible theology, graduated with lots of debt, still didn't know what I wanted to do, so <laughs> the wrestling continued. Um, I got married in 2017 and had our two kids and still just was kind of bouncing around jobs, just praying and praying and praying, Lord, how do you want to use me? And he answered fairly recently in my life. Um, and obviously, you got the uh, you got the sneak peek, but we'll talk more about that later on. But God's just been continuing to renew my heart, continuing to just blow my mind in huge ways. Um, each each year, each month, each day, sometimes it feels like. Uh, and ultimately, what I know is that God desires to use me, to use you, to use all of us, all His children, to make Jesus known to His lost sheep around the world. I believe that wholeheartedly, that that is the desire of God. Um, And I believe that's his desire for all of his children. There's a quote I love by Pastor John Piper. He says, Whatever you do, find the God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life and find your way to say it and live for it and die for it. And then you will make a difference at last. And then you will not waste your life. And again, this doesn't have to mean ministry on the other side of the world, right? Um, There's so many opportunities, and and we're going to talk specifically about that, what that might look like for you today, uh, not hopping on a plane and and going to the other side of the world, but just walking in obedience to Christ. And if we can meet these criteria uh, that Pastor John shares, God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion, of our life and, and figure out what it means to live for it and die for it, then you will not waste your life. You will you will live a life that, that counts. And it's not too late to figure out what that is. But for today, for this morning, we're going to be in the book of James, chapter 4. If you want to jump there, we will have some slides up on the screen with the verses. Um, but we're going to be in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And I've been studying this book for... Uh, a couple years now, pretty consistently, uh, and I just can't seem to shake this specific passage here. Uh, these verses are convicting, encouraging, all at the same time, uh, and they've been inspiring me to try and inspire others. So I hope that that's what happens this morning, that you guys would be inspired and encouraged no matter where you're at, no matter what season of life. 
So, so let's jump in. Some context of James. James, the half-brother of Jesus. He was writing to most likely uh, Jewish Christians who lived outside of Palestine who were suffering persecution. They were in social and spiritual conflict. And he addresses them specifically in the second verse of this entire book uh, about this conflict. In James chapter 1, verse 2, 4, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Fortunately and unfortunately, this could probably be our theme verse for 2021, right? The testing of our faith, to consider these trials and testing as pure joy. And I know that that's hard to do, it's easier said than done. But I don't think that James was speaking theoretically about this either. I don't think he was saying... Just give it a shot. It's worth a try, right? I think it. I think he was operating almost as a command, right? Consider it pure joy when you go through these trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. Many of these believers that James was speaking to were also living in a very worldly manner, and so in chapter four, which is where we will be today, James corrects them in verse four. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And this is just some convicting context to the heart and the tone of James as he's sharing this passage that we're going to be in this morning. He makes this huge connection between being a friend of the world and an enemy of God. And then he challenges them with probably the only option they had uh, to seek God and God's wisdom in order to sort these things out, how to differentiate um, being worldly and being of God. He writes this letter with a theme of, again, perseverance during trials and temptations, and he writes in order to encourage his readers to live consistently with what they have learned in the faith. He wants his readers to live out the things that they are proclaiming. And my hope today is that we would do the same, that we would feel slightly convicted, challenged, mainly very encouraged, uh, living out our faith, and that we would leave here being doers of the Word of God, right? That we wouldn't get stuck in our minds, um, that it would truly penetrate our hearts and, and turn into action. So here we go, James chapter 4. Verse 13 through 17, and I'm going to read the whole thing through, and then we're going to back up a little bit to verse 13, and we're going to go verse by verse here this morning. So James 4, 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while. And then vanishes. Instead, you have to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So back to verse 13, making our own plans. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that this city, spend a year there. Make carry on business and make some money. Sounds like a pretty good plan, right? Doesn't sound too out of the ordinary. 
But as you all know and have experienced, these past two years have been full of canceled plans, right? Simple coffee dates, church gatherings, traveling, weddings, school, work, you name it, right? We've been living in this season of, of uncertainty. My sister got married last year and she had to change her wedding date and wedding venue multiple times. And that brings a lot of frustration. This, this slight sense of uncertainty makes us uncomfortable. We don't like it. We start to walk with a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety. We don't know what's going to come next. But we need to remember that as much as we are to be good stewards of our lives with plans, living on purpose, uh, James challenges this expectation, right? We carry that expectation very strongly. We want to know what to expect. We want to know what's going to happen next. And James says that uncertainty is a guarantee. Not certainty. Uncertainty is a guarantee. We can expect it. We simply cannot control everything. So what that means for us is that we have to keep our expectations great, but keep our surrender even greater. Trusting God, living in surrender, and knowing that He is going to work through it all for our good and for His glory. And when we live in surrender, we often create space for God to move. A little personal experience of mine, shortly after I got married, I was just praying that God would provide a job, right? How do you want to use me? I was praying that He would point me in the right direction. And it felt like He did. This job opportunity came up. It was an amazing provision for my family. It felt like what I was praying for. Um, But then it got a little sticky because we got invited to be pastors, or I mean, sorry, missionaries uh, in Japan. And I thought, man, this, this can't be the right timing, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep working this business. I'll buy the business. We'll have lots of money. We can fund ourselves to go to Japan. It's all going to work out. It's going to be great. And uh, my, my dear wife said, honey, I don't know if this job is yours to have. What? What do you mean? This is what I prayed for. Sure enough, showed up to meet my boss to sign paperwork buy this business, sat down at the table and cried like a baby. And I said, I can't do it. I can't sign this paperwork. I have to go home and tell my wife that she was right and that we were supposed to move to Japan. So that's what I did. Went home um, and we reached out to the the other missionary and pastor in Japan and said, what do we do next? We, We are ready to come. We're going to say yes. And then it got even more complicated, right? That's always how it works. When you feel like you get some breakthrough, it gets even more complicated. Uh, after we had said yes to moving to Japan, we knew that we were pregnant at the time, but we found out that our son was going to need open heart surgery as soon as he was born. And so I said, nope, pump the brakes. We're not moving anywhere. There's too much uncertainty, right? We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if he's going to make it. We don't know what the complications are going to be. Too much uncertainty. And again, my lovely wife, she said, you have to remember that God is not surprised by our circumstances. Right? God is not caught off guard. This is not, this is not ironic. This is not inconvenient. It feels that way to us. But to God, he knew exactly what season we would be in when, when he would call us to say yes to the Great Commission and to move to Japan. And so we continued to move forward. We sold our house while we were still in the hospital with our son. Uh, we just we just kept taking steps forward, trusting God that He was going to provide. 
Now again, I'm not saying don't make plans and just kind of go with the wind. Definitely not saying that. We have to live on mission and on purpose. But we have to do this acknowledging that God's plans are always better. We have to remember that. We can't lose sight of that. And when we live in obedience to Him, often, unfortunately, but for the, for the better, we end up rerouting. And so I have this little image here for you. Your plan and God's plan. Can anyone relate to that? <laughs> Our plan is nice and straight. We see the finish line. No, no hurdles, no obstacles. And then sometimes that's what God's plan feels like. Like, I did not sign up for this, right? And something else I noticed as I was preparing this message, do you guys see a finish line in God's plan? There's just little checkpoints, right? We want to have the end in sight because we want certainty. And God says, I just need you to trust me. I need you to take one step at a time. Even if it means falling into a little lake (laughs) with a boat and you don't know how you're going to get out, I need you to trust me. Our lives are short. There's no time to waste. And James talks about that in the very next verse, verse 14. He says, why? Why why do you live this way? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's there, and then it's gone. doesn't leave a mark. You forget it was ever there. It's not making an impact. A mist. Is that crazy? That's in the Bible. There's your life. There it goes. People say that time flies, right? We understand that. We understand that our lives are missed. As a high schooler, they say, soak it up. Time's going to fly by, right? Make the most of every opportunity. And then as parents, they say, soak it up. Because even though the days are long, the years are short. There's a part of us as humans that understands this concept, right? We know that time flies. We know that we blink and, and then there's kids and we blink and then there are adults and we blink and now there's grandkids, right? We understand this. But, but what if we could understand this looking forward instead of looking backwards, right? This quote I love says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. This morning, Pastor Roy said, we're in the good old days, so you can have some comfort in that. Um, But I wish there was a way to know we were there before we've actually left them. What if we could have this mindset looking forward? That time flies, and so we're going to be intentional with every moment. Not all of a sudden blinking and wishing we could go back and change how we lived our lives. And the hard thing about this is that we have to do this in good times and in bad times. right? It's easy when things are good to sit and be present and be intentional. But what about when times are bad? What about when things are hard? Are you just going to be waiting for the end to finally come, waiting to get out of the season, or are we going to remain intentional, trusting God with each step, each day, and being aware of what God might be teaching us? Because again, our lives are a mist, and we don't have much time. We should be asking ourselves, what am I doing right now that is impacting the kingdom of God here on earth? 
Right? Jesus tells us to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what if we could put away our, our own desires and values and hopes and say, God, what do you want me to do? It's a risky question, but I promise you that if you ask it, God will come through and it will be fruitful. If this is our focus, then as we plan and as we live our lives day to day, it will be encompassed by doing God's will. And ultimately that is the most important thing, right? There's another quote I love by Pastor David Platt. He is very, very passionate about missions, about the lost, about people hearing about Jesus. And he says this, Jesus wept over those in need. He was moved with compassion for the crowds. He lived and loved to bring healing to the broken. He died for the sins of the world. So why are those of us who carry his spirit not moved and compelled in the same way? I need you guys to grasp this, and so I'm going to read it one more time. I'm going to paraphrase, maybe. Jesus, Son of God, in the flesh, lived a life of compassion. His Spirit, the Spirit of God, was was moved to love on people, was moved to bring healing to people, to comfort the broken. He died for the sins of the world. So why are those of us who now are proclaiming that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, the Spirit of God, why are we not living lives the same way? And please hear me, I do not say this to condemn or convict or to judge. It's a question of mine. I, I did it for years, right? I wanted to have my own plan that had some certainty in it. Why was I not saying, God, I want to have a heart like yours. I have, I have your spirit. Why am I not acting in the same way that you would? Why am I not loving the lost, bringing healing and comfort to the broken? And so again, I share this because I believe God desires to place these burdens on me, on us, on the church, on his children. I believe wholeheartedly that God desires for us, the church, to be taking care of the lost. Uh, the lost down the street, on the corner, the lost around the world, the lost in our families, our neighborhoods. And yes, there are people in, in physical needs, but this is also, also a spiritual battle, Right? People with spiritual needs. And we often have a question with these, these people in need. Well, why don't they just work a little harder, right? Why don't they just kind of get their life together? And I'm pretty sure that Jesus was not walking around questioning people's backgrounds um, and, and why they made certain decisions. He was just loving, right? In, in a world that is so focused on self, what if we, as a church, as a family... What if we erred on the side of generosity and, and trusting Jesus that he was in control and that he was in, in charge? And again, we have the Holy Spirit, right? So using discernment, but day-to-day life more so than not, erring on the side of generosity and compassion. I think the church would look a lot different. I think our world would be impacted and look a lot different. So with the new year approaching... I encourage you to just spend some time in prayer, asking God, what's next? How, how do you want to use me now? What gifts, talents, resources, opportunities has God placed in our lives, and how does he want us to spend our time with those? How will this mist of our lives 
impacts the kingdom of God. So verse 15, 16, and then the kicker with verse 17. Here we go. Verse 15 and 16. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So again, make plans, be intentional, live on purpose. If it is the Lord's will, we will step and do these things. And then the kicker, verse 17. You guys ready? If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is a hard one for me because like I shared earlier, I, I had this this slight feeling that I knew what I was supposed to do, but, but this one that I wanted to do, this other option, seemed to be a lot better, a lot safer. It had some certainty in it. And, and even still today, sometimes I feel this about moving to Japan. This surrender and decision to say yes and to go uh, was not birthed out of a, a desire or a fun experience. Um, and it definitely has not been easy. And sometimes I wrestle with this feeling of, of not wanting to go. Even after selling my house and quitting my job, I still wrestle with it. But here's where the hope comes in, is the good I know I ought to do is a, is a foundation of mine. Uh, has become a foundation, I should say. Um, my wife, Claire, again, often describes it as seeing a car accident. Driving down the highway and you see this accident. Sometimes it's easier to just pretend like we didn't see it and continue moving on with our lives, right? Or to focus on our own agendas because we got somewhere to be and to just go past. And Claire often just says, we have to go. We, we can't ignore what we felt or what we've seen in Japan. We have to go and do something. We feel like we have to stop our own priorities and desires, even though they are good, because gods are greater. So we take on these things and we, we step in faith and we go. Doing the good we know we ought to do, even when it's hard. Jesus says in Matthew 28, you guys know this verse, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. But again, like I mentioned earlier, it, it might not be moving to another country. Although, no matter how old you are, I just did a training in Atlanta with some 65 plus, I should be careful in case they watch this. <laughs> they were older. Um, and they are getting ready to move to Germany. It was, it was their time. And they said yes. So again, it's not too late to live intentional with your lives. But it doesn't have to look like moving across the world. Maybe it's being intentional with your neighbors. Finally having that conversation about Jesus with your awkward second uncle twice removed, right? Maybe it's serving at church. Maybe it's homeless outreach. It could be anything as long as it is in surrender to what God has for you. And that it's not just the nice thing to do or the right thing to do, but that is, it is what God has asked you to do. And that through that action we are communicating God's heart with the end goal of making disciples and bringing glory to God.
So I simply challenge you to discern what it is in your life that God is calling you to do, the good you know you should do. And if you need just a little extra motivation this morning, I have one more verse for you. Being completely sold out for Jesus, being intentional with your time, this is a verse I want to leave you with. It's Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And I know that there are a couple different interpretations of this verse. And each one, weirdly enough, seems to change the sense of urgency that comes with reading this verse. But I read about 20 different translations of this verse. And when you read it, no matter the translation, it seems pretty clear to me that at least according to Matthew, if we want to trust him, he believes that the gospel needs to be proclaimed to all nations and then Jesus will return. Some of us are anxiously awaiting for the clouds to part and that is a beautiful thing. But according to this verse, it seems that there's a lot more work to be done. And that also is a beautiful thing that we have the opportunity to take part in furthering the kingdom of heaven here on earth doing the good we know we ought to do. So to wrap up this morning, you're going to hear a little bit from Matt and Mai Higby, who are currently missionaries in Japan. They have been faithfully doing all the things we've been talking about this morning, living on purpose, being sold out, living in surrender. We've been doing that specifically in Japan the last four years or so. And this morning, they're going to share an opportunity for you that you will have... Uh, the chance to, again, take part in the Great Commission, uh, to say yes to partnering with them and with the ministry that's going on in Japan uh, to make Jesus known to the lost around the world, specifically in Japan. So Matt and Maya, you guys want to come on up? guys. It's good to be out here. Thank you, Tyler, for sharing. Uh, so my name is Matt, Matt Higby. This is my wife, Mai. So I have lived in Osaka, Japan for the last four, almost four years. Uh, Mai is from Japan. She's lived there a lot longer than me, but we're going to just share a little bit about, um, we can get the PowerPoint up there, but we're going to share a little bit with you guys about what the last four years have been like and why I decided to move across the world to Japan. Um, just waiting for some slides here, but uh, yeah, so I am from Simi Valley. Who knows who's for Simi Valley? It's the northern, northern uh, side of uh, LA, but yeah, so I, I became a Christian when I was in uh, my freshman year of college. So I grew up in the church, but my image that was in my mind of who Jesus was growing up in church was a little different than the image of Jesus that was painted by the Gospels the first time that I read the Bible. And that's not the church that I went to's fault. That was my fault because my ears were closed when I was sitting in church. We can go to the next slide. Uh, So I read through the Gospels for the first time for myself when I was 19. 
uh, and specifically in the Gospel of Luke, I was really challenged and a little bit scared by what I read and some of the things that Jesus said. And so in Luke chapter 9 in particular, the very end, uh, there's a few people that are coming up to Jesus saying, I'll follow you, but... Something, something, something. Follow you, but let me bury my father. He said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you come and follow me. And then this person, this is a response to someone that said, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me just go say goodbye to the people at home. And he responded, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. So when I read that, I felt scared. Um, A little excited, but scared, because I had just come out of a life of rebellion against the Lord. Uh, And so I knew that I'm at this crossroad where Jesus is making me choose. Do Do I really want to follow him? Because if I follow him, that means I have to be okay doing anything that he tells me to. Uh, And I have to release control over my own life, and I have to be willing to obey him. Uh, And the thought that crossed my mind at that moment, and it wasn't a very pleasant thought, was he could even make me be a missionary if he wanted to. Uh, And I, I just thought at that moment, where will I be 10 20 years from now if I, if I say yes to following Jesus. Uh, and I'll give you a little of how that last 10 years has been like. Uh, but so I, to make a longer story short, a missionary came to our church in Simi Valley and shared about what missionaries do. They go to share the gospel with a people group that has no access to the gospel or little access to the gospel to make disciples of all nations to obey what Jesus said. Uh, if we could go to the next slide. Uh, and so I thought, where, well, there are needs all around the world. Where should I go? And it was a very long process of me trying to figure out where, which country I should go to. I don't know if you guys remember this. 2011, 10 years ago, there was a huge tsunami earthquake disaster in Japan. And Japan wasn't one of the places on my radar that I was thinking about going to, uh, but this event really made me think about Japan, and it made me look at the statistics of what was going on there. Uh, And statistically, it was worse than all the other countries that I was thinking about going to. I thought I was going to go to a Muslim country. I have a heart for Muslim people. Um, But God kind of intervened through this and made me really think about Japan. Uh, we can go to the next slide, but here's, you're going to see a map of the world that shows uh, the progress of the Great Commission right now around the world. So the green are places that have a significant Christian presence, uh, and the yellow are places that are a little more nominal or just getting started, and the red are places that are considered unreached, and the way that this is defined is having less than 2% evangelical believers in that people group's population. So as we can see, there's still a lot of red on there. There's a lot of the Muslim world, North Africa, Middle East, India. Um, And for those of you that are good at geography, you can spot Japan over on the far right there, all red. Uh, And Japan is about 0.5% evangelical, uh, which is very, very low. So yeah, if if a thousand, yeah, it, never mind. Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> I forgot the numbers, but <laughs> very few Christians there. Um, 
you're going to hear a little bit of my wife's story in just a few minutes, but she had never met a believer in her life before coming here to study. But, so when I saw these statistics, and I realized that Japan still has an open door for missionaries to go there, which is kind of rare in the unreached world, I talked to my pastor at the time, it just sounded like a good idea, uh, and all these doors just flew wide open, we didn't go to the next slide. Uh, so I met a guy named Matt Daniels, who knows Matt and Jen Daniels, they know them, so they're our teammates in Osaka, and Matt Daniels told me, hey, you're going, you want to go to Japan, we're also going to Japan, come and join our team. And so I called this organization that they were with called Encompass, uh, and they told me about a guy named Cecil O'Dell, <laughs> who was in Long Beach doing a, a returnee ministry for Japanese international students. And I still needed to finish my education, so I thought, this is perfect. I can go finish my bachelor's degree. I can go learn from this guy who was a missionary in Japan for, for almost 20 years and is still working with Japanese people here. So that's what I did in 2013, moved down to Long Beach. I was working with Cecil. Uh, we saw God do some amazing things there with these Japanese students. Uh, and one of the students that I met is this woman here named Mai. Uh, she became a believer through that ministry there, and I'm going to have a few minutes for her to share her story with you guys. Okay. Um, so I'm from Japan, um, and my families are believers in Buddhism, so I grew up in that family, so... Um, I used to go to shrine with my family because that's what we do every year, New Year's Day. We go to shrine and we pray. Or we go to a family graveyard and we go there and then we clean and we pray to our ancestors. So that I grew up in that family, so I kind of started believing that there must be God somewhere. But I didn't know who that is. I just knew that, okay. God should be somewhere there. Um, so I I don't know why I started, but I started praying every night, but I didn't tell anybody about it because I was kind of embarrassed. Um, but I started praying every night. And that was my favorite time because I knew that God was listening to my prayers. But my prayers were like, I think I was like 9 or 10, and my prayers were like, I have a test tomorrow at the school, so I really want a good score. Or like I have a basketball game tomorrow, I really want to win. So those were my prayers at that time. Um, and then I stopped praying when I got older just because my life got busy. And then I went to Long Beach six years ago um, for study abroad just for 10 months. And I met Cecil there. So I think he, Cecil was the very first Christian person that I met in my life. And then Cecil invited me, invited me to go to um, beach barbecue that his ministry was doing. And that's where I met Matt. So thank you, Cecil. Without, without we wouldn't be able to meet. So thank you. Um, and uh, at that time, that was really hard season of my life because I came to Long Beach and I had no family, no friends. English is my second language. I couldn't really speak that at that time. 
um, and I was feeling lonely and I was feeling just sad every day and I felt like nobody needs me, nobody loves me, nobody really talked to me. So that was a really hard season. And one of the ladies, she's in that picture, um, but her name is Junko. Uh, she's a missionary. She's still in Long Beach, but she's a Japanese missionary there. She invited me to come to their gospel choir practice. So I went there, and most of the members are Japanese, but they have this American gospel choir teacher there. And uh, one of the songs we did was a Japanese song called You're Born to Be Loved. And that song really moved my heart because at that time I was feeling really lonely. But through that song, I got to know that through truth that God really loves me. Um, so I started seeking God and um, I joined some of their events like barbecue, gospel choir. And as I got to see um, Christian people there, Japanese Christians and American Christians there, um, as I got to see them, I realized that they have something special that I don't have, and I got really curious. And then Ciso um, told me, if you really want to know Jesus, you should ask him directly. Like You can just ask him in your prayer. So I started my prayer life again, but that this time I specifically asked Jesus to tell me who he is. And then I read the um, book of John, and that really helped me to, to understand who God is and who Jesus is. And I, re- I got to know that the God in this Bible is the God that I always believe. Like when I was little, I used to talk to him every night. And he was the God that I, that in the Bible, it's the same God. And when I was reading that book of John, it was not like reading a book, but it was more like having Jesus right next to me and he's just talking to me directly. So that was a really special moment. And I decided to follow Jesus. And then right after that, I went back to Japan as a Christian. And my families, they're not Christians. All of my friends, they're not Christians. So God brought me to Long Beach so that I can meet him. And then God put me back to Japan again. And I'm I'm alone again. But this time I have God with me. And I saw how Japan is broken. And how, and I saw the need in Japan. And I thought God put me back, back in Japan so that I can share the gospel with the people. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we can go to the next slide. Uh, yeah, so we are in Osaka. As you can see, it's a small town of about 19 million people. Uh, it's the blue star up there, the red dot is Tokyo, uh, the second largest city in Japan. So Mai is from Osaka, so she's a local person there. And the whole process of me preparing to go to Japan. Encompass was going to send me to Tokyo. They were going to send our team to Tokyo, uh, and she, you know we started liking each other. And she's about ready to go to Japan, uh, and she's from Osaka. And so I'm like, okay, how's this going to work? And I get a phone call from Encompass about a month before she goes back. Hey, we're actually we changed our mind. We're going to send you to Osaka instead. Oh, all right. I told her, hey, I'm moving to Osaka, and she said, oh. All right. Well, now we're married. So. <laughs> All right. 
for a little over two and a half years now. Um, but I was deployed to Osaka in 2018. We could do the next slide. And the first thing that you do as a missionary when you go there is you learn the language. And so the first two years on the field was full-time language school. Uh, Claire and Kyler, you guys are in for a real treat. There is a brutally hard language for English speakers, but uh, by God's grace, I got through the first two years of language school. And oddly enough, in a place like Japan, uh, the staff at the language schools, on the very last day, they said, Matt, we're having a, we want to have a Christmas party you're a Christian missionary, why don't you give us a speech in Japanese and tell us what Christmas means? And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I was super nervous. I prepared like a five-minute talk. And I didn't really talk about Mary and Joseph and the major. I just kind of shared the gospel with these students, about 400 students from around the world, from all different countries. And after I was done speaking, uh, a student from Iran, a Muslim guy from Iran, comes up to me, and he's very interested that I was up there talking about Jesus. And so I thought, okay, i got to get this guy's contact information because this might be the last time I ever see him. You can go to the next slide. Uh, so I started hanging out with Ali, this guy from Iran, and uh, unlike Japanese people, which don't like to talk about religious things or spiritual things very much, it's kind of a taboo subject, He's a Muslim, so he thinks it's natural to talk about these things. And so right away when we hung out, he would just tell me all these things. And one day he said, Matt, tell me something that Jesus has given you recently. And I'm like, okay, well, since you asked. And I was sharing a few things. And he shared with me this lingering fear that he has that maybe God wouldn't accept him. Uh, because for those of you who know about Islam, it's a works-based belief system where you need to pray a certain amount of times a day, you need to fast, you need to visit Mecca and Saudi Arabia. And so he is a very serious Muslim, but he <coughs> has this fear that he can't shake, that I just, in my heart, I know I'm a sinner, and I just don't think God would accept me, even though I'm doing all these things. It was a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with this guy, because he asked me the same question, Matt, do you think God would accept you? And I said, well, yes, uh, but let me explain why. Uh, and so he, through that conversation, we've been meeting many, many times. I've shared the gospel with him many, many times. I gave him a copy of the Bible in Farsi, which is his, his mother tongue. Uh, and before I left to come here, he told me he was reading about 20 pages a week of the Bible. Uh, and I just texted him a few days ago, and I asked him how he was doing, and I asked him where he's at in the Bible. He's like, oh, somewhere in the middle. So in a few, three or so months, he's just flying through God's Word. Uh, and so we keep praying for him that you know he'll discover who Jesus really is. Um, you can go to the next slide. And so right after I'm done with language school, uh, we're very excited. Finally, we could do full-time ministry. We have all these different ideas for group outreach and these kind of things. And then something called COVID-19 happened, which kind of put damper on a lot of, you know, shut down a lot of the things that we're doing uh, as a team. But God opened up the door for individual evangelism with a lot of people. So we could meet fewer people during COVID because a lot of the group things weren't happening. But a lot of people were starved for relationship. They want human connection because they feel isolated. 
And so a lot of the guys in these pictures, uh, these are some people I was sharing the gospel with over the last few years. Um, these faces represent all different reactions to the gospel, some that just didn't have any interest or some that it's still an ongoing conversation. Um, but one of the things that we did during uh, COVID, we could do the next slide, is we utilized technology and we tried to do a Zoom outreach for people. Uh, and we, we wrote some curriculum that walked people through the basics of the Christian faith designed for non-believing Japanese people. We got an interesting mix of people to join. Uh, and the girl there in the bottom right, her name is Akadi. We could do the next, next slide. Uh, she actually studied in Long Beach as well. Uh, she's not a Christian, um, and she met people, she met Cecil, she met other people in Long Beach, and that made her interested, kind of like mine, like, why, why are these people this way? What is it that they have that I don't? So she came back to Japan not believing in Christ, she went, and we knew her, so we invited her to join these lessons, and she joined, and she was really engaged, uh, and she shared something that is very similar to my story. She said, I believe in God. I just don't know who he is. To me, he's an unknown God. And so I read Acts <laughs> chapter 17 with her, where Paul goes to Athens and he sees the shrines of the unknown God, and she's like, yeah, that's, that's me. Uh, and so since my story is really similar, they've really connected. And we're also all coffee nerds. We were all baristas, so we go to coffee shops and talk about stuff. But mine has been doing an amazing job connecting with her, uh, she's very interested. She's reading some Christian books with us right now. We're trying to get her to God's Word. Um, you guys can be praying for Akadi. Um, we can do the next slide. Um, so as Kyler was up there sharing, and he has the, it's not up here anymore, but he had this spray bottle talking about how our life is just a mist. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And as we were worshiping, I was just looking at this stained glass window here that says, in loving memory of Pastor Scott Perkins, Helen Adams, Linda Wilson. And I was just thinking about those people's lives were also a mist, and they were here, and now they're gone. We trust that they're with the Lord. Uh, and I was just thinking about how even for Christians, we have assurance of salvation, we trust in Christ, we have hope of the resurrection in the future. But, but even for us, when we think about our lives being here today, gone tomorrow, it just makes us shudder a little bit. And it just the, the, the reality of death just doesn't sit well with us, even as believers. Um, and it made me think of all the think of that map with all that red up there, where in, in Japan, for example, there's 127 million people that. 99.5% of them don't have any hope for the future and their lives are also that missed. So generation comes, generation goes, no hope. And we know from Romans 10 that the only way people can be saved is to call on the name of the Lord. And if they don't know who he is, how can they call on him? Someone has to preach the gospel to them. Um, and we are here on home assignment now. We're raising some finances uh, and there's an exciting reason why we're raising finances, because Mai is joining staff with our team now. So she's going to be one of the first, if not the first, national full-time staff with Encompass. We're really excited about that. Um, Japan is notoriously one of the more expensive mission fields in the world. We could do the next slide. 
so for her to be fully funded and also to fill what was lacking in the support for me, we're going to need about $3,100 a month, which is a big amount, um, but we think that it's worth it to go over there and um, share Christ with people. Um, and so you can talk to us after the service. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have or, or tell you about opportunities to, to partner with us. But thank you guys for letting us come and share, and it's been an honor to, to be up here. Thank you. So we set up a table um, in the back, right, right in the lobby there, that you can meet us at afterwards if you want to talk us or for the Mallory's. Thank you guys. Let me just uh, pray for for us right now. Uh, Heavenly Father God, Lord, we just thank you that we uh, can meet together in person this morning and um, Lord, we thank you that um, most of us in this room um, know you and Somebody preached the gospel to us uh, at some point uh, that led us to you, Lord, and we just thank you for your grace and in sending people around the world to preach the good news of Christ, and uh, we pray for um, all those red areas on that map, Lord, uh, that have yet to know you, Father, and we pray, Lord, that those people groups would uh, know you and call upon your name and be saved, Lord, um, and that once all the nations have heard, Lord, that you'll return, God, and make all things new, Lord. Um, we love you, God. We thank you for your heart for the lost, and that you don't give up on them, Lord, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Were you encouraged? I didn't hear anybody. Were you encouraged? It's great to hear other people talk about their experience, I and mean, we all kind of know each other, but when other people come in and they tell how God works and moves, and and even in the hard times, he's still there and he's still working, right? And these two couples, they said yes to Jesus, and they're willing to do what it takes to spread the gospel, and we say yes to Jesus ourselves in our own way, and we need to. So let's stand up and we know that our God never fails. He's working everything out and we pray that he will, because he owns the cattle of a thousand hills, right? So he has all the finances in the world in his hand, ready to go. It might be one of us, it might be all of us, but it will definitely come through. I know that because God never fails.
would say for the last year and a half, listen to Jesus and do what he says. And what a great example of that this morning. You know, just listen to Jesus and do what he says. That, that's good wisdom, isn't it? And uh, thanks for those reminders this morning. Thank you so much. Lots of good stuff going on. Uh, Mallory's and the Hickneys are probably going to head back to their table back in the lobby. And as they mentioned, there's some prayer cards, prayer reminder cards there. There's an opportunity to sign up to get on their uh, mailing list, probably for email updates. Uh, I'm already on Mallory's list, but I need to get on Hickneys. And so take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, we got some birthdays this week. Our favorite saxophonist in the whole entire world has a birthday this week. So happy birthday to Jessica on Wednesday. And I don't know how Bill arranged to have his daughter born on his birthday, but Bill Erling and Angela have a birthday on Friday together. So how sweet is that? And uh, Michelle Perkins also has a birthday on Friday, so we want to remember that. I, I would I would wish the Goodlands a happy anniversary, but they're on an airplane on their way to Hawaii, and I'm so jealous I'm not even going to think of them. But uh, their anniversary is coming up this week on Tuesday, and so we want to say happy anniversary to them. In your bulletin, there's a reminder tonight we're going to kind of transition and decorate for Christmas. I have no idea what's going to happen, but uh, if you want to come and help, uh, that'll happen about 6 o'clock, I think. Is that the right time? I remember. So uh, come and be a part of that and uh, share that together. And also, just a little reminder in your bulletin, there's a reminder about updating our directory for the new year. Uh, We love having the opportunity to have you on our email list, our text message list, uh, the opportunity to wish you a happy birthday and all that good stuff. And if your information is the same, just do what I did. I wrote my name and I checked the box and I don't have to fill out anything else. That was the most brilliant idea I ever came up with. By the way, speaking of listening to Jesus and and doing what he said, is it okay, Tim, if I give a little update on our search? So search committee has met with our candidate twice. We had an amazing uh, opportunity Monday evening. Uh, We invited all the elders, all the search committee, all the spouses all gathered together. And uh, we got acquainted, a little better acquainted with our candidates, shared the dinner together. It was just a a fabulous evening. Uh, Our search committee met last night on Zoom. Uh, about an hour and a half, and uh, shared together, prayed together, and kind of debriefed our Monday night conversation. And uh, we're right on the threshold, I think, of making a recommendation from the search committee to our elders, and then ultimately to the congregation. Uh, if things happen on my timetable, <laughs> didn't we just hear about that? Huh? I was supposed to be off riding my bike, but you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> Kind of what we're projecting, and Tim, help me if I've got the sequences wrong, but what we're hoping is early in January, probably January 9 and 16, uh, our candidate's going to come and preach, assuming we get the approvals along the way from our search team and the elders. Uh, we're kind of projecting into January after the holidays. And so your job continues to be the same. Your job hasn't changed, right? You're praying. And so uh, listen to Jesus, do what he says, that's good wisdom. Um, by the way, I am taking all the missionaries out to lunch, right? right. We're all going to go out for Mexican food, of course, because we're all excited about Japan, so we're going for Mexican food. Um, so we're going to go over to Rodrigo's on the corner of, help me out here, Don, Pioneer and Artesia. And uh, if you'd like to come along and be a part of that and spend some time getting better acquainted with our, our missionary guests, you're invited to come. And uh, we'll do that after we wrap up here and they get a chance to meet you. So you guys head back to your table. 
and uh, we'll give you opportunity to greet them there. As you go this week, may you go in the power of the resurrected Jesus. May you go encouraged. May you go challenged that uh, we may live in a country that's not red on the map. We live in a country that's uh, historically claimed the name of Christ. But you and I live in a country that desperately needs to know Jesus. And so be aware of opportunities that God wants to give you this week. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. Have a great week.